Welcome to the Benefits Executive Roundtable, hosted by Dorothy Koshu, President of Advanced Benefit Consulting. Dorothy is a nationally recognized benefits and compliance consultant and group health broker. Here, you'll listen to industry experts break down the latest news and trends in employee benefits, healthcare reform, regulations and compliance, all designed to empower executive decisions. Hello everyone, I'm Dorothy Koshu, host of the Benefits Executive Roundtable. I want to welcome my guest today, John Pikarski, who is a tax accountant. And we're going to be talking about the PPP loan forgiveness process. But before we do that, John, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into this business? I moved out here from Pennsylvania. I went to Penn State. Um, I found a niche in the market out here in the tax business. I um, met a lot of people that were 20, 21, 22 years old that really didn't have a whole lot. They had just an individual tax return and they were getting overcharged by H&R Block and some of the big chains. So I decided to get into the business and undercut the market. And I worked in a, a restaurant in Huntington Beach, California called Maxwell's. Some of you may remember that. And uh, I got to know these people and as they grew and I grew, they started buying businesses downtown. So now they own businesses, restaurants, bars, uh, souvenir shops, rental properties. And um, so now I do corporate tax returns. My specialty is corporations, partnerships, and LLCs. I do a lot of foreign transactions and a lot of forensic accounting as well. Oh, wow. So this PPP business was very personal to you because besides having your, your tax business, you also have a small business in Huntington Beach. You want to tell us a little bit about that? I own a bar in Huntington Beach called Shooter Sports Bar. Um, it's been there for 42 years, and it's a, it's a, the number five dive bar in Huntington Beach. Uh, we had to deal with a lot of the PPP uh, paperwork that a lot of you are all dealing with right now. And uh, so I got a first-hand look at just what a small business in California as well as the United States has to deal with in order to satisfy the uh, government entities like the IRS and the SBA. So your people were laid off for a while, you had to close down for a while, and then you had to reopen, and then you had to make a lot of modifications when you reopened. That's correct, that's correct. We had to, we brought a lot of people back, but only a few people at a time because our hours were shortened. Um, the money wasn't coming in because you know uh, we were closed, and so we had to work through some of the PPP paperwork early on in order to get a loan. Okay, and when you did reopen, you had to move outside? That's correct. We had to move outside for two months and uh, we put TVs outside so everybody could watch football and baseball and basketball and then we just moved inside as of September 8th. Yeah. So you obviously have very personal experience with all of this and you know exactly how this has been affecting businesses throughout the state of California and as you said across the country as well. So wow, this really great background for, for us to start our conversation today. So thank you very much for being here today. Thank you. Thanks Dorothy. I appreciate you having me. A lot of businesses applied, obviously, for the PPP loans to get them through the economic crisis which developed because of the pandemic. Uh, some businesses relied on these loans to keep their doors open or to reopen after they were having to close initially and to keep their people on payroll. These loans were, as you said to me at the beginning, very much a lifeline to those small businesses. So obviously getting them forgiven is a very much a top priority. The initial expense period for the PPP loans was eight weeks, and that was extended, of course, to 24 weeks to give businesses that were not allowed to reopen or that had restrictions so they'd have some additional relief. In addition, that same PPP Flexibility Act offered an option to change the percentages from at least 75% spent on payroll to 60% for payroll expenses. Do you think this helped businesses, and if so, how? Yes, this helped businesses. Many employees chose to stay on unemployment with the additional federal stimulus money. 
This allowed employers to not have to pay employees and were able to take the PPP money and direct it to other expenses such as rent, insurance, utilities, taxes, and inventory. Loan Maturity in the Flexibility Act provided for a minimum maturity of five years for PPP loans made on or after June 5th and permitted lenders and borrowers to extend the maturity date of the earlier PPP loans um, of two years out to five years. What advice would you give to borrowers about being sure that they get that extension? First of all, confirm with your bank. Get to know your friendly banker and ask them to get an automatic extension for five years. Talk to your tax preparation specialist. You don't have to apply right away. The Small Business Administration and the Treasury continue releasing guidelines. Okay, I know that. I'm, I'm having a hard time keeping up with all of them. <laughs> it's ridiculous how they keep coming. They keep changing things, and <laughs> that drives me kind of crazy. Uh, borrowers have up to ten months to apply for forgiveness. Can you walk us through when that ten month period begins? As long as the borrower submits the loan forgiveness application within ten months of the covered period, which begins with the borrower receiving the money. The deadline was originally October 31st, 2020, but according to the SBA, the date may change. What happens if you don't apply for forgiveness within the 10 months? The date is subject to change, so for now, there's no penalty. Okay, so there could potentially be a penalty in, in later on, or they could just say, nope, no forgiveness. There could be a penalty later on, but nobody's made a ruling on that yet. Okay, but it is, there is a possibility, however, that people could not have their loans forgiven if they don't apply in, in the 10-month period of time, as it, as it stands now. It, yes, if they don't apply, they could potentially have a penalty later on. Right, so they need to understand that they need to apply if they want that forgiveness. What if uh, while working through the forgiveness application, the borrowing business uh, determines that maybe not all their expenditures will qualify for forgiveness? Can you tell us about how the partial forgiveness works? The best part of the payment protection program is that 100% of the loan can be forgiven if you meet criteria. In order to get your loan forgiven, you'll need to fill out a PPP loan forgiveness application form. First, let's review the terms of the PPP. The loan amount is based on your average monthly payroll cost for 2019. You can receive 2.5 times that amount to help cover eight weeks of payroll costs. Mm -hmm. the PPP funds can be used for payroll, including salaries, medical, and sick leave. Second, mortgage interest, as long as the mortgage was signed before February 15, 2020. Rent, as long as that lease was signed before February 15th of 2020. And utilities, eligible expenses, are those that are incurred over 24 weeks, starting on the original date the first payment was made from the lender. The partial forgiveness could be reduced based on the reduction in workforce or pay reduction. You must retain good records based on employee retention, pay rate, and employee headcount. So you're a tax accountant, obviously, so I know this is your specialty area, so I'm going to take advantage of that and ask you a two-part question. This is kind of complicated for some, but to me it's very important. A lot of borrowers are concerned, particularly small businesses, about their lack of their uh, tax write-offs for 2020 because of the loan proceeds. If they use the loan proceeds to pay for a large chunk of their expenses in 2020, is that going to hurt them on their tax filing for 2020? And part two of this question is, will the income received from the PPP loans be considered income, meaning that their income went up without possibly having enough offsetting expenses? I mean, will the fact that they received the PPP loan hurt them in 2021 when they're trying to file for their 2020 taxes? Well, Dorothy, if the business uses the PPP money for expenses, they may not double dip and take write-offs on their taxes for the same expenses. For the PPP money is tax-free, but businesses will report gross income just like always and all expenses, rent, utilities, labor, and inventory. However, 
they will have to subtract out the money received or forgiven by the PPP money received. So if they received a $49,000 loan, they would take their regular gross receipts and they add to that, of course, the loan proceeds because that's income, but then they get to subtract that, the 49000 later on. Correct. Okay. And they can use the expenses that they had incurred, even though they were paid for through the PPP loan, there's still going to be expenses on their own taxes? They're not able to be able to write written off. Okay. So it's so there's no expenses. So they don't have to worry about the income being income from the loan, but they will lose the ability to write off, off those expenses. That's correct. So their net overall proceeds for the year, their you know net The net profit will probably be higher. So people have to prepare for that. People have to prepare for that. They have to figure out their taxes probably ahead of time would be a good idea maybe in January for that last quarter quarterly payment. Um, that would be a real good idea. Okay. So some people did not know that. People keep asking me those questions, and I say, I don't know. I wrote articles on it, but I'm not a tax person. You need to talk to a tax accountant. So that's why I'm asking you. So now it's time that the borrowers obviously are thinking about filing for those forgiveness for the loans. In early October, the SBA uh, released new interim regulations regarding the loan forgiveness for loans under under $50,000. And a very large percentage of the PPP loans fit into that category. I think SBA stated on their website that of the 5.2 million loans that were approved, 3.57 of them were for loans under $50,000. And they said this accounted for $62 billion of the $525 billion in loan funds. So for the majority of the loans, obviously these new rules are going to apply. What's the first step for a business beginning to prepare for their loan forgiveness process? Well, the first step is to contact your banker, reconcile your books, and report your expenses on either form 3508 or 3508-EZ. Okay, I know those 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 loan application numbers are confusing too. So we'll talk about that. There are a couple of options for loans under fifty thousand: the form thirty five oh eight and the thirty five oh eight EZ. Can you break down the differences in these applications and tell us, you know, who should use which of these forms in your opinion? Form thirty five oh eight is a longer form, but it goes into detail, requesting detailed expenses, payroll records, and compensation. This form is designed for all filers, including those with greater than or less than 50000 in PPP money received. Form 3508EZ is much easier, a one-page form. The business owner can report PPP money received and all expenses, including payroll, utilities, rent, and taxes, all on one page. This form is designed for businesses with $50,000 or less in PPP money received. Okay, so there's just two forms. The 3508 can be used for anybody that had a PPP loan and the 3508EZ um, can be used for those under 50000 But if someone wanted to, to use the 3508 uh, and, and basically disclose everything, they still could do that even if they're under 50000 right? All, all taxpayers can use the 3508. Okay. Just if you're under $50,000, you can use the 3508EZ. Okay. Which seems like a lot simpler. Much simpler, just one page. Right. So PPP borrowers can use the simplified forgiveness application, the 3508, or you mentioned the 3508EZ. Now I saw, when I was researching this, a 3508S for loan amounts of 50000 or less, unless their affiliates received loans uh, totaling $2 million or more. The interim rule stated that borrowers with less than $50,000, they're exempted from any reductions 
um, based on reductions for full-time equivalent employees and reductions on employee salary wages. Can you explain exactly what this means and tell me the difference because again when I was first researching this I saw the 3508S and didn't see the others. Now I'm seeing that there's the 3508 and the 3508EZ. So there's actually three instead of two. So can you explain to me why the difference between, because people might be looking at 3508 and wondering why one form is 3508 and why one form is 3508S. The 3508S was the original form. The okay. 3508, it superseded all the other forms. And then the 3508EZ came out in order to make it easier for uh, folks that took just $50,000 or less in loans. Okay, so now, so then, as we stand today, then the two that you have to choose from are? 3508 and 3508EZ. So the 3508S has pretty much been replaced with the EZ, then it sounds like. Right, Okay. correct. Okay, because I, I was confused on this, <laughs> so I wanted to make sure you explained that. So can you explain how this, uh, how these you know differences are here with this with these new rules? Mm -hmm. Sure, absolutely. The the full time equivalent or FTE means that one, two, or four employees who work a total of forty hours per week, one employee can work forty hours, two employees can work twenty hours each, or four employees can work ten hours each, totaling forty hours. Based on the PPP loan forgiveness and the interim financial rules, or the IFRs, the rule states if a business receives less than fifty thousand in PPP money. They are exempt from the rule and they must not have to pay the loan proceeds back. Okay. So, if, if, for those of you that deal with the Affordable Care Act, you're used to the equivalent, you know, the full-time equivalent calculations and so forth. So basically, it sounds like this is the same thing that they're doing. It's very similar to the ACA calculations on full-time equivalents. So you might want to just kind of keep that in your back pocket when you're walking through this because I know that helped me a lot when I was going through this. I said, oh, it's just like the ACA. So we talked about the loans under 50,000, but there are also a lot of PPP loans over 50,000, and we talked a little bit about the applications, but can you just restate that once again so that people are familiar with what they're supposed to use if they're over 50,000? 4.2 million out of 5.3 million loans given out were under $50,000. For the loans over 50,000, the business owner should file form 3508, the longer form in order to report all PPP money received plus expenses. Okay. So how much more complicated are the you know loans over fifty thousand? The application for over fifty thousand dollar PPP loans are quite a bit more detailed, but not as complicated as one would think. Instead of lumping together all of the expenses, the business owner is asked to report each individual expense separately. So when they're putting this together, they should go over the loan application first, I would imagine, before they go online to try to submit anything. They should go over it and make sure that they're having, and I know we'll talk about this more, but they're a lot more complicated, so you need to have all your ducks in a row and have to have all your documentation in front of you before even attempting to fill out that paperwork, correct? That's correct. Okay. With the 3508EZ form, you really only need maybe a half a dozen numbers, rent, utilities, employee expenses. With the 3508 form, you need to detail each one of those areas. Okay. So it's a lot more, lot more time consuming. You want to detail those categories. Okay. Okay, good. So it's going to take a lot more time, so keep that in mind or when you're sitting in front of your you know, computer and you're getting ready to uh, submit, make sure you keep that in mind. Okay, so now you're just about ready to submit. So you want to have everything in front of you. You want your desk all, this is what I do anyway when I'm preparing these types of things. You want everything laid out on your desk so that you have all the documentation available for you. So. 
that when you go on there, because it's not a paper application that you're submitting for most banks, you're submitting online, and it may be a little different. It may not be exactly the same form as what the government forms are, because the banks have their ability to use their own forms. So walk us through this. You're getting ready to sub hit, hit submit, send all that stuff. What do you need to have in front of you for under 50,000? We'll do that one first, and over 50,000. Under 50,000, you need payroll records. Okay. You need utilities, you need insurance payments, inventory purchases, and tax payments. So basically you just need the total amounts for the period. You don't have to detail them, just the total amounts. Correct. Over the eight weeks or 24 weeks you spent X dollars. That's right. That's correct. Okay. Over $50,000, the same records, but much more detailed, broken down as much as possible into subcategories of expenses. Okay. Like for example? Rent, insurance, utilities, payroll records, and inventory. Or okay. purchases. Okay. So if you've got not only the paperwork in front of you, but you also have electronic files, let's say you have a, uh, a file from your payroll company, an Excel spreadsheet or whatever it is, you want to have that electronic document as well. You want to have the same thing for your other any other electronic submissions that you have. You want to be able to upload those with it because if your bank is asking you for a copy of that, you need to be able to submit that as well, right? That's correct. If you have the ability to download and attach files, that helps a lot too. Okay. So that can be part of it. So it's not as simple as just filling out forms. You may have to actually submit, just like you did when you were um, applying for the loan. You had to you know, submit things to them. Um, so be prepared to do that with electronic records as well. That's correct. Maybe one way you could do it, you might want to have maybe all your rent expenses in one document to upload. That, that would help a lot um, in the, with the easy form. Um, you just need the total amount of rent. Right. You just need the total amount of utilities. Okay. But with the but with the longer form at over fifty thousand dollars, you need to detail out each expense. So you could have one for rent. You could have one for utilities. You could have one for payroll. Mm -hmm. Just have electronic files ready to go, so that they could just you know hit you know upload those and hit submit. That's correct. Okay. All right. Just want to make sure because <laughs> again, this is accounting stuff that you know that's not my thing. That's that's what people like you are for. Okay. So do you think it's best to start on this process sooner or later? I think it's best to start on the information gathering now, but hold off on the reporting and application process until later because the SBA and the Internal Revenue Service has not made a final ruling on many of these areas within the Payroll Protection Program, perhaps until the end of November or the first part of December. Even if you're EZ, even if you're using the EZ. Because they still haven't ruled on several areas. Okay, so that's good to know because you know people are going to want to know that they don't necessarily want to jump on this the second they listen to this podcast. They may want to hold off a little bit and see if final rules come out. Because the rules are still changing. Right, okay. Are there other things that we should be aware of before we start the process? Absolutely. Contact your lender or your banker now. Get your financial records now. Contact your tax preparer and see what insight they can offer. Once the final rules become clearer, then it'll be time to file your application. What will these businesses need to have prepared for their year-end accounting and tax filings for 2020? Great question. The same detailed income and expenses related to your business will need to be reported just like before. However, the PPP money will need to be reported after all expenses are totaled in order to come up with an adjusted gross income and taxable income to report to the Internal Revenue Service. Okay, so I want to just restate this again. You know, when you're filing your taxes, if you did apply for a PPP loan, you're going to need to take that in consideration. And again, although the income will not account as income, you're going to lose those expenses that you would normally have to offset that income. So you need to think about this between now and the end of the year, because if there are additional expenses that you have that you want to, you know, you're wondering whether or not you want to 
uh, purchase certain things or if you're wondering whether or not you want to uh, do certain things that you might want to think about spending that money this year rather than holding off the next year because you're going to have limited expense write-offs against that income. That's right. You, you, you will probably tend to have more net profit this year than you will in any other year because a lot of the uh, expenses won't be able to be written off because they've already been taken into account by the PPP money that's come in. Okay. So again, just keep that in mind because I think that's a pretty serious thing, especially for the smaller businesses. That's going to be that's going to be huge, and maybe people didn't have the funds to, you know, pay their estimates as much as they normally did because you know their revenue was short this year. Well, this is not a year to short. It sounds like your estimates. This is a year to make sure you pay those estimates because you don't want to get hit with a huge tax bill uh, come the uh, tax filing uh, deadline. That's right. And your last quarterly payments due January 15th of 2021. Okay. So pay your taxes. All right. Make, make sure you pay those ahead of time. <laughs> don't don't think that because it was a bad year, you're not going to have to worry about it. You might have more taxes to pay in the long run this year if you did get a PPP loan. I want to make sure that people are aware of that. Is there any additional advice or cautions that you can share with our listeners? Pay attention to the new rules coming your way. Contact your tax professional and banker in order to let them know which form you will be reporting your income and expenses. Okay. So this has been very helpful. If people want to reach out to you for tax or accounting advice, how can they reach you? Please contact me. My direct phone number is 714-962-6869. And you can also reach me online at John P. The Taxman at gmail.com. I love that email address, by the way. <laughs> you can't forget that one. <laughs> okay. Thanks, John, very much for sharing all this with us. We really appreciate it. Take care, everybody. Stay safe, stay healthy. And again, consult with your tax professionals and get this uh, PPP application going as soon as they tell you it's safe to do so. Thanks, everyone. Hello, everyone. This is Dorothy Koshu, host of the Benefits Executive Roundtable. After our podcast release on November 10th, we're going to be taking some time off for the holiday season because we know that you're all busy with open enrollments, year-end projects, and of course, that little thing called the holidays. We'll be back in mid-January with more podcasts, so please have a very happy holiday season and we'll be in touch in 2021. From all of us at Advanced Benefit Consulting, happy holidays. Please stay safe and stay healthy. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for compliance tips, cost containment ideas, new trends, and decision-making tools. This podcast is produced by Advanced Benefit Consulting, Anaheim, California. All views expressed are those of the host or interviewees and not necessarily those of Advanced Benefit Consulting. Information contained herein should not be construed as legal advice. We always recommend that you consult with your legal counsel as situations do vary. Ms. Koshu can be reached at 714-693-9754, extension 3, toll-free at 866-658-3835, or visit our website at advancedbenefitconsulting.com.